I'm Kristen Myers. I'm joined now by Bozema St. John. She's a Chief Marketing Officer at the media agency Endeavor. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bozema. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm happy to be here. So I want to start off first with some of the news that we are seeing in the wake of the George Floyd protests um, and the moves that a lot of these companies are making and donating hundreds of millions of dollars to black causes and initiatives. Do you think that that's the right move that these companies need to be taking or does that pay lip service uh, to the movement? Yeah, um, it's actually a really important question. It is one of the reasons why I've been so vocal about what business leaders should do right now. Uh, because there is a fear of doing anything wrong, you know, that businesses feel the backlash when they do something wrong. And therefore, there is an errant fear in not doing anything at all so that you don't get in trouble. Um, and I am actively trying to encourage businesses to keep doing something, right? Because I have been in the corporate America spaces for 23 years uh, I've been a black woman for 43 years, and I have never seen anything like this before. I've never seen a response like this before. Um, listen, just to add more time to the to the thing, um, I remember the Rodney King uh, attack and beating and the resulting unrest and protest that happened in the wake of his of the acquittal of uh, his attackers. And that was 30 years ago, you know? And, and it was, even though some of us remember those times, there wasn't a reaction from American business the way there is in this. And so I am very much encouraged by the fact that businesses are taking this seriously and that there is a reaction that is making them act now. Um, I, don't wanna I don't want to discourage anybody from action. You know, I think action is better than inaction, <laughs> let's put it that way. And so for whatever reason, it is that they are pouring money into causes and organizations that go to create equal justice and also go to protect Black people, that go to defend Black people. I am for it 100%. Keep doing it. So to that end, what do you see as corporate America's role or perhaps even responsibility in addressing systemic racism across the board in this country? Yeah, well, that's just it. Systemic doesn't just apply to government and to law. You know, systemic also refers to our corporations, our businesses, our boardrooms, you know, the way that we act and behave in our hallways. And so for me, it's, it's equally important for businesses to get into the, into the business of dismantling systemic racism because it exists in their buildings. And so before looking out and trying to figure out what the world can do to solve the issues, I encourage business leaders to look in-house and see how they can also make differences within their own corridors. So to that point, internally, what are the moves that need to be made uh, to address lack of diversity, perhaps in hiring, or lack of diversity that we're seeing at upper levels of management? You, you talked about those in-house moves. What, what should those in-house moves be? Yeah, very much like the investment that we're seeing to outside organizations. 
I want business to make investments in their inside organization. And so that means hiring practices, that means uh, internships, that means programs to help inclusion and support once people of color are inside of their buildings, because we know that retention is a real problem and a real challenge. And so the investment that companies need to do, both from a time, effort, and financial standpoint, is absolutely necessary. You know, there are way too many white papers that have been written about why diversity and inclusion within our corporations makes sense. You know, I, I don't think there is a CEO right now who has not heard of these white papers or doesn't at least uh, superficially understand why it makes sense. But we haven't done the deeper work of actually applying it. And so right now, this very moment demands application. It demands more than just knowledge, you know, because I've heard again and again and again that people are surprised by the fact that racism still exists, as if we're in a post-racist America. And that doesn't exist. That's fiction. But what is not fiction is the reality of how diversity and inclusion impacts our businesses every day. And if we thought that COVID you know, was dismantling and disrupting how we uh, manage our businesses today, we will see that the effects of systemic racism are going to be far worse. And so we need to address those right now. So diversity and inclusion are, are not, you know, new terms by any stretch of the imagination. And many tech companies, banks, et cetera, have heads of diversity and inclusion whose job it is is to attract talent of color and to retain talent and color of color. But yet, despite all of these claims that all of these companies have had throughout the years about how much they value diversity, we are still, if you just look at the pure data, we're still not seeing that at scale. Why do you think, despite all of this money, time, and effort that is supposedly being made towards diversity and inclusion, we're not seeing that level of progress? Because diversity and inclusion simply does not extend past those roles. I mean, really, all you have to do is look at those companies and understand that the heads of diversity and inclusion happen to be the other. <laughs> you know, almost everyone in those roles is, is of the type of person that we're talking about to diversify, but you go any further and there's nothing. And so what that tells me is that either there's a lack of empowerment of those offices, um, there's a lack of importance to the role, uh, and that the CEOs and other C-suite executives are not paying enough attention to how that office can actually create movement within their organizations in order to enact change. And perhaps today is the day to really look at that and understand how these very well-equipped people who are in these roles uh, can actually implement some of the sweeping changes that I'm sure they've been trying to do for quite some time. You're right, this is not a new conversation at all. I wanna switch gears for just a moment to this initiative that you, you know, started just the other day, the Share the Mic uh, movement where black women were able to take over the Instagrams of white women also with major amounts of influence. I'm wondering, you know, if you're at home and not on Instagram or you don't have millions of followers, do you think that there could be a share the mic, you know, moment in people's personal and professional lives? And what would that look like? Oh, yes, that's a great question. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the campaign because it's a simple idea that can have very lasting effects. You know, one of the reasons why we created the campaign was because 
I find one of the most um, undiversified <laughs> of our inputs is our social media. You know, it is one of the only places where you can choose exactly who you want to follow and can curate your messages that way. You know, you look at your social media feed and it is not like your workplace, right? Your workplace, yes, of course, you choose to work there. But the other people who are hired are probably not your choice. Uh, you can even pretend like your family. <laughs> you didn't have a choice to be brought into your family. Uh, but you know what? You're, you're kind of stuck with who you got. <laughs> Our social media platforms give us so much choice. We can curate that in any way that we want to. You know, take a look at your own and your themes. You know, are you only following people who you agree with, who look like you, who sound like you? A lot of us use our social media as a form of escape, sometimes inspiration, sometimes a yeah break of some sort. And so we curate to satisfy that feeling. The danger, though, is that it is where we're getting most of our information. It is where we are interacting with most of the content. And so if everything in that feed looks like you, talks like you, moves like you do, then we are not diverse at all in our thinking. And so for me, it was really important to figure out how to disrupt that space. And the quick answer was, well, you know what? Yes, I do have a big following, relatively speaking, but there are spaces that my messages don't fall. And so could I take over without permission from the audience a different person's account so that my messages could land there because it's probably guaranteed that those people don't follow me they're not hearing my messages they're not even hearing anything i have to say and so i do think that it's important for us to take a look at our own inputs and i've been asking folks to do this for a long time which is that you know take a hard long look at yourself like, you know, we love to point fingers and say that somebody else is the problem, somebody else is a racist. But if your own social media feed, your own circle of friends and influence aren't diverse, and therefore you're not hearing other opinions, perhaps it's time to change that. And if you happen to be someone who uh, is non-Black and you have a social media feed, I don't care if you have 500 people on there or 100 or five. Perhaps it's time to give it up and let somebody else whose messages are not falling on the ears of your close network of family and friends hear their message. So you can offer that. We talk a lot about what companies, managers, et cetera, need to do to better uplift uh, Black employees, underrepresented employees in their companies. I'm wondering if you can have a message for if you are that employee, how to better advocate for yourself uh, against all of the hurdles that are already stacked against you in your own workplace, be it in terms of pay or, or promotion. Yeah, that's a really tough one, Kristen, because you know we've been talking for such a long time to the people who this system is not working for. And we've been telling them that it's their fault. Only if they positioned it a different way, only if they were more aggressive in their ask for equality, that perhaps then they would get it. And I think today we are all realizing, if you hadn't realized it before, that that doesn't work. Even for someone like me, who has found some success in these spaces, 
a lot of times I do feel like I'm screaming into the wind. You know, perhaps I'm saying things and I have to position it in a different way so that somebody will hear me. And it is frustrating. You know, so I don't want to continue to put the responsibility on the people who the system is, is working against to try and fix it. You know, it's time for somebody else to fix it. And so I'm asking for our business leaders. I'm asking for our colleagues who sit beside us. I'm asking for those who are on their way in and up, who sit beneath us, to use their own voices to advocate. This can no longer be a conversation that is only left to the people who the system is trying to break daily. For those who are feeling very comfortable in their spaces, it's time to get uncomfortable and start making noise on behalf of those who you know and can see that the system is disregarding. If you want to know what to do, do that. I want to ask you about your podcast, Bose. I know you have one going with with Katie Couric. Talk to us about what what a listener can expect to hear in that podcast. Well, we created it actually just right after we were all quarantined. Uh, It's called Back to Biz. And so the intention was to talk to business leaders who are finding ways to uh, pivot in this time of COVID-19 and of course the, the, uh, the results on their business and hopefully to find some inspiration uh, for everyone to basically find new ways to innovate. Um, It has turned into, of course, reacting to our additional current climate, which is around racial injustice and equality. And so we've had tremendous guests on already who I'm just, I'm so excited about. You know, we had Mary Barra, who is the CEO of General Motors, Um, Not only is she the only woman CEO of any of the big three, but she's the first. So she had incredible messages about inclusion and what she wants to see happen. She made a strong statement from her office at General Motors, which I think other business leaders could really take some inspiration from. Uh, We had Bishop T.D. Jakes on the show, along with Opal Tometi, who is one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. They gave such incredible, inspiring direction for not just black people, but for, like I said, everyone who says, I don't know what to do or what should I do? They gave incredible insight into what the fight is and the history of it. Uh, This morning, we talked to Stacey Abrams. She had an incredible message around voter suppression and of course, what needs to happen in November. So it's really been a, a good mix of what we are doing from a business standpoint and also what we as citizens of the United States of America uh, can do to better our nation and to create a more equitable society. All right, Bozema St. John, thanks so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I was glad to be here. Good to see you, Kristen. Good to see you too. Thank you so much.